Thinking Aloud, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, I'd like to discuss the distinction between the superego and the superconscious mind. Now, I should begin by saying that people sometimes tend to think of these things as things, but they're not really things. They are concepts designed to delineate processes that take place within consciousness. And they're really not identifiable with any particular organs of the brain, for example. Uh, although I think at one time, uh, the originators of these concepts maybe hoped that that would be the case. The superego is a concept that was developed by Freud. And really, uh, the Freudian dynamics of the unconscious mind work very simply. They're like this. You have a superego, which is sort of the internalized parent, the critic, the judge, saying, you should do this, you should do that, you should be a good person, you should be a good boy or a good girl. And then you have the ego. You learn how to tie your own shoelaces, for example, get dressed in the morning, make your bed, be responsible for yourself. And then you have the id, that which sort of lies below consciousness largely. It's your drives, your desires. And the, the unconscious part of that are the parts that the superego thinks you ought not to possess, like lust, anger, uh, a death wish even for people. And, and so we go about our business uh, basically pushing certain things out of consciousness because they conflict with the demands of the superego. There you have the, the Freudian subconscious. Now, they, then they come back, you see, in slips of the tongue, in humor, in, in dreams. And uh, one might say that uh, really, in the 20th, 21st centuries, a, a big project of, of Western humanity is to take the Freudian unconscious and make it conscious. And, and we see that in literature. We see that in film. We see that in all of the uh, portrayals of uh, people expressing themselves publicly and doing things that in previous generations were not socially sanctioned. And uh, it's an important part of a, of a awakening process. Freudian psychology uh, is very, very powerful. Uh, at one time, it was considered, I think, the most significant cultural force within psychology itself. Now, the idea of the superconscious mind goes beyond the superego. The superconscious mind, uh, we don't know the outer boundaries of it. You could equate the superconscious mind with creativity, with uh, inventors like Tesla who were able to come up fully formed uh, with things like alternating current motors. The uh, various inventions of Tesla seem to just pop right out of his superconscious mind. Uh, the works of Shakespeare. And of course, one might say the, the great saints. 
and mystics of every culture express the superconscious mind. The idea of cosmic consciousness, of being aware simultaneously of everything at once. Now, what does that mean in, in terms of Freudian consciousness? What does it mean to be aware of everything at once? First of all, most people would say, it'll just blow my circuits out. My nervous system is not capable of handling everything at once. I can't even handle the things that are in front of me right now. In fact, Freud would even go so far as to say, I can't even know myself fully, which is quite true. But to know everything at once means to be able to see the darkness within oneself. That's where it starts, actually, in the dark places, in the hidden places, in, in the things that we hide from ourselves. Like, uh, I'll tell you uh, about me. I'm going to share something I don't share very often. When I was a child, I liked to steal things. I can remember as a four-year-old child walking around the neighborhood uh, where we lived at the time in Levittown, New York, where all the houses looked alike. And I'm wandering around the neighborhood and other kids have left their toys out in the, in the yard. So I was picking up the toys of all the other kids and bringing them home. And when I got home with those toys, uh, my parents saw what I had done and they said, well, you better return them. They don't belong to you. Of course, I didn't even remember where I got them, but I walked around the neighborhood distributing the toys at, at different locations. <laughs> and uh, when I was 10 years old, I stole books from a local bookstore. I even got caught by the bookstore owner. I was mortified. And uh, he treated me uh, gently. He said he wouldn't tell my parents if I just returned the books, which I did. But uh, I've been aware since then that uh, I have a propensity to uh, be a criminal. In fact, as I look back on my life, I'll tell you this. I uh, got a master's degree in criminology. And when I was uh, studying criminology at Berkeley, I had an impulse. And the impulse was to volunteer to do uh, a work-study program within the San Quentin prison. And I did. I was in the psychology track within criminology. And I volunteered at San Quentin prison in uh, the psychiatric unit. I ended up doing uh, group therapy sessions with murderers and rapists there. And my intuition was that I was going to have to spend time in prison in this lifetime. I could either do it voluntarily or I might have to do it involuntarily, like my friend Daryl Shoon. After all, this was an era in which uh, college students in great proportions, and including myself, were using illegal drugs. I could have easily gotten busted and sent to prison, like so many people were. Now, I just bring this up to point out that we all have a shadow side. We all have a dark side. And for the most part, we prefer 
not to look at it. And beginning to look at yourself deeply is just the beginning of exploring the superconscious mind. Yesterday, and by yesterday, I mean the day before this monologue is scheduled for release, which is in about two weeks from today, the uh, prior day, I will have released the uh, video with Betty Kovacs, Dr. Betty Kovacs, called Working on What Has Decayed. And there, we begin to address some of the deeper issues, some of the dark sides associated with humanity as a whole. In particular, we look at the Second World War, which ended just before I was born, but one might say it represented a low point for humanity as a whole over the last, what, let's say a million years in which uh, humans, Homo sapiens, have been on the planet, maybe 300,000, it's hard to say. In any case, a low point. Death camps, millions of people murdered. I, you know, the Russians alone, I think, lost some 20, 30 million people in that war. The death camps took, I don't know, six million Jews plus several million others. And then there were the bombings. I've been reading about the incredible suffering that took place in England with the bombings of London. Tens of thousands of people in England were killed by bombs in, in that war. That's part of our heritage. That is part of the global heritage of humanity. We as a species have the capability of doing that to each other. Not to mention the mass extinction that is taking place on the planet right now. Sometimes it's called the Anthropocene extinction, the extinction caused by humans, which has been going on for some 10,000 years, which is relatively short in geological time. Humans have done so much. We have accomplished so very much in the last 10,000 years. But amongst those things has been incredible destruction. Many, many large species have gone extinct. And, and many more are on the verge of extinction right now because of human behavior. And we could talk about the uh, pollution of the planet. The You know, there are no fish that you can get out of the ocean any longer that don't have plastic in their bodies. And the waters are polluted and the planet is overpopulated. Well, we, these are simply things we need to address and digest. Because one of the secrets of the superconscious mind is that I've hinted at earlier is it includes the, the most elevated aspects of consciousness, the consciousness of Jesus Christ, the consciousness of Zoroaster, the consciousness of Buddha, the consciousness of Isaac Newton or Albert Einstein or Shakespeare. Or Goethe, the consciousness that created the Bhagavad Gita, the consciousness of Lao Tzu and Confucius and Plato, all exist 
within what my friend Marty Rosenblatt has called the universe of collective consciousness. It includes the high and the low. And, and one of the secrets is that by digesting the stuff at the bottom, you get to experience the top. One, one way of expressing that, uh, my old friend Dean Brown, of whom I, uh, did a monologue much earlier. In fact, I'm going to link to it because I love that man. And if you haven't listened to it, you might enjoy it. And there'll be a link in the upper right-hand corner of, of your screen. I know I have to point to the left because that'll be the right for you when you're watching. But in any case, Dean Brown put it this way. He said, every lotus flower has its roots in the mud. It's a tantric saying. But it suggests that when you want to experience the great heights and the beauty and the exhilaration and joy that consciousness offers, you can get there by opening yourself up compassionately to the darkness within yourself. And there you'll understand that you also share the darkness within all of humanity. And before I leave you with those thoughts, let me suggest that you ask yourself, what darkness in your life have you been avoiding? What little dark space would you benefit from if you took a good look at it? And if you do that, what do you think might await you on the other side? If you're willing to dig into the muck, where will the lotus flower point you next. I'll leave you with those thoughts and thank you for being with me.